Hey, this is Pastor Holly of Open Heart Sanctuary. Welcome to our podcast. We are so glad that you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will transform your life through today's message. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these messages every week. I pray that you are blessed today. Amen. Amen. And amen. My brothers and my sisters, I will not be before you long this morning. I promise you. Ah, <laughs> uh, beloved, if you will, let us rise as is our custom and turn with me in your electronic life's owner's manual, your basic instruction before leaving the earth, before leaving earth, the Holy Bible. And we're going to look at two passages of scripture this morning. Just a teaching moment as we rise out of reverence for the Holy Word of God. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter. We'll look at a couple of verses and then we're going to uh, go from the Gospel of John over to the Gospel of Matthew uh, in the 28th chapter. And this morning I am in the NIV edition, that is the New International Version. Amen. John, the 19th chapter. The Gospel according to John. And we're going to look at the 28th through the 30th verses of the 19th chapter of John, which reads as follows. Later, knowing that everything had been finished. And so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. Let us start with verse 1. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, it was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He 
is not here, for he is risen. He is not here, for he has risen. You may be seated. Let us look to the Lord. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father God, we thank you for bringing us to this moment where we will hear a word from you. Lord, clear our hearts, clear our minds, and clear our souls that we would receive what you would have for us today. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Amen. 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 If you will, beloved, meditate with me this morning upon the theme, He Got Up. He Got Up. Before, beloved, before we get into our text this morning, let's give you a little backstory beginning with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. For the sake of, for the sake of those of us who do not know the story, Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and everyone is excited and expectant. Some theologians characterize Jesus' entry into Jerusalem as a parade. And with pomp and circumstances, this pageantry, this excitement shown Jesus was generally only customary for conquerors, for prince, and for nobility. In today's time, we generally, and I say generally, only see this type of pageantry when the President of the United States of America is inaugurated. And there has been a peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another. For those who follow the monarchy, we'll see this type of pageantry in just a few weeks for the coronation of the new king, King Charles. The Jews here this morning, the Jews in this text were excited. Here there was a man that scripture in the Hebrew, Hebrew Testament prophesied about. They were excited, to say the least. Not only were they excited, but they were also, they also had expectations. That's right. They had expectations of Jesus and what they thought he was going to do for them. They were expecting Jesus to declare himself their king. They were expecting Jesus to lead a revolt against the Romans who were occupying the Jewish 
nation. But that didn't happen. Jesus did everything but what was expected. And instead of declaring himself their king, and instead of overtaking the Romans that occupied the nation, he, listen to this, he cast out the money changers and the merchants from the temple. He cast out the money changers and the merchants from the temple who were not only selling to the people, but who were also stealing from the people, changing their exchange rates, selling bad animal sacrifices that did not meet the requirements of the Jewish law. He healed the lame, the crippled, the possessed, and the sick. He taught life's lessons. Five chapters, five chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, from the time he entered Jerusalem to the time he was crucified and in a matter of only several days. In those five chapters, and for those who are taking notes, that would be Matthew chapter 21 through 26. In those five chapters, we see what the Jews expected versus what Jesus did. Which brings us, my brothers and sisters, all the way to the first act towards the crucifixion of Jesus. The betrayal. We don't get to the betrayal of Jesus until we get to the 26th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And in it, we see the conspiracy of the Sanhedrin, which, by the way, was the Supreme Council headed by the priests and commanded, who commanded absolute authority among the Jewish people. They, they, the Sanhedrin, have decided that Jesus must die. Remember, they don't believe. They don't believe that this man called Jesus was the Son of God, and they don't believe that he was that it was already that he was already predestined to die. They and they alone decided that they must kill Jesus. And Judas is the instrument that they use to betray him. The 14th verse of Matthew, the 26th chapter of Matthew, says, the one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me 
if I deliver him over to you. So the Sanhedrin counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From that moment on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. Judas negotiated with the Sanhedrin to betray Jesus. I don't think that point ought to be lost on us here this morning. Judas negotiated with the Sanhedrin to betray Jesus. With whom and what have you, my brothers and sisters, negotiated Jesus' betrayal in your lives this morning? <coughs> Disobedience to his word. Handling our issues without him until we've screwed things up. Seeking revenge, bearing false witness, lying on each other, being unequally yoked, being judgmental, not helping others in need, being unloving, living in excess, being unforgiving, being ungrateful, now not worshiping him, hallelujah, yet he still got up. With whom and what have you negotiated Jesus' betrayal in your lives this morning, my brothers and my sisters? Now, as we move on, Judas has his own reasons for being the instrument that sets off the arrest, that sets off the illegal trials and conviction, which ultimately leads to the crucifixion of Jesus. You see, Judas, although he was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple, Judas, he was chosen by Jesus, knowing that he would be the one to betray Jesus. Judas, you see, already had his own issues with Jesus. Anybody this morning ever been there? Judas had issues with Jesus. He never believed that Jesus to be the Messiah until it was too late. He never used the title Lord, but always used the title Rabbi when acknowledging Jesus. Judas had his own issues with Jesus. He never saw him more than anything other than the teacher. He never believed Jesus to be the Son of God. The other disciples made great professions of faith. Great professions of loyalty to John, to Jesus, excuse me. Judas never did. 
Judas had a lack of personal relationship with Jesus. He was consumed with greed. And at this point, at the point of betrayal, not only for Jesus, but also his fellow disciples. He was a thief. Who, beloved, who here this morning has had or still has issues with Jesus? It's for some of these very same reasons that some of us betrayed Jesus, yet he got up. Hallelujah. Yet he got up. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. And this morning, God wants us to know that through the crucifixion and through the, uh, hallelujah, that through the crucifixion and the rising of his son, the rising of Jesus, the Christ from the grave, God wants us to know that through Jesus the Christ, that it is finished. Through the blood of Jesus as he hung on the cross, after being beaten, after being made to wear a crown of thorns, after being falsely accused, it is done. He got up. He got up. It is finished. These three English words, it is finished, are actually only one Greek word. And that word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. It is finished. To tell us, die, it is accomplished. To tell us, die, it is completed. To tell us, die, the work is done. It is finished. It is not a cry of defeat, but it was a shout of victory. To tell us, die, it is finished. To tell us, die, it will always be finished. To tell us it stands finished. To tell us it will always be finished. Because he got up to the servant when the job was completed. The servant would say to the master, to tell us meaning I have completed the job you gave me to do. I did it. I won. I overcame. And the master will say to the servant, well done. To the priest, the Jewish people would bring this sacrifice to be offered uh, after the high priest examined and accepted it. He would say to Telestai, meaning... It is perfect. It is accepted. The merchant 
the merchant, the debt had been fully paid. When you purchase something, the merchant would take your money and hand you a receipt that said, Tetelestai, paid in full. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. And he got up. Moving along here this morning, I'm almost out of time. And I'm not going to read the Matthew passage in its entirety. But look at verse 5 in the beginning part of verse 6. The angel said to the woman, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. He would not come down from the cross just to save himself. But the good news this morning, my brothers and my sisters, is that he got up early on a Sunday morning. Oh, how many of you are grateful that he did not get down from the cross, regardless of what he may have been going through. Hallelujah. How many of you this morning are thankful for what he has finished in your life this morning? Some of us, not all of us, some of us are looking for Jesus in the wrong places. But what? Hallelujah. But what I'm supposed to tell you this morning is don't look for him in the grave. Because on this faithful Sunday morning, sometime after the Sabbath sun had set and the rising sun, hallelujah, the next morning, he got up. He got up with all power in his hands. He got up. He got up to, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. He got up to defeat that addiction problem. He got up. He got up able to make you the head and not the tail. He got up. He got up to, hallelujah, prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He got up. He got up to break the generational curses that may be going on in your family. He got up to break every addiction. He got up. He got up to fix your finances. He got up to turn your relationship around. He got up to restore your barren womb. He got up to bless you in your comings and your goings. He got up to make your enemies flee before you. Hallelujah. He got up able to pour out blessings that you don't even have enough room to receive them all. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He got up. He got up to protect you as you walk through the valley 
He got up to be your provider. He got up so that you wouldn't want for anything. He got up so that the weapons that form against you, that they would not prosper. He got up, hallelujah. He got up so that the weeping you endure through the night would be joy in the morning. He got up. He got up so that you would have life and that you would have life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Somebody this morning needs to know he got up just for you. He got up for your grief. He got up for your despair. He got up to break your family dysfunction. He got up so that you might have life. Hallelujah. He got up to help you with those mental health challenges. He got up to defeat that insatiable sexual appetite he got up he got up he got up for you he got up for me he got up for us he got up hallelujah he got up the songwriter said when jesus when jesus hung on calvary People came from miles just to see. They said, if you be the crown, come down and save yourself. Oh, but sweet Jesus, my sweet Jesus, he never answered them, for he knew that Satan was tempting him. The songwriter says that if he had come down from the cross, my soul would still be lost in sin. So he would not come down from the cross just to save himself. He decided to die just to save me. He would not come down from the cross just to save himself. He decided to die he decided to die just to save me. He would not come, hallelujah, from the cross just to save himself. He decided to die. He decided to die just to save me. Amen. He got up. Thank you for joining us today. A special thanks goes out to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, we thank you for listening. Now go out and live a victorious life.